Like, you know, I'm meditating, like, all, even more than usual now, just because I have the time, and I'm trying to really visualize my skin being clear, and the cancer being gone, and mm -hmm. all these other things, mm -hmm. and it's just, it is a weird dance that I am constantly with myself, how do I feel today? Because I, I guarantee you there's been times when you, we've been around each other where internally I'm hurting, I'm struggling, sure. and I feel, I always say this, my wife would be like, Alex, you know, like, I don't really see it today. And I'm like, I know, I always feel it way more than anyone else will ever see it. But when I feel, when I'm in that state of discomfort, there's, to find joy is extremely hard. How how do you find joy in that state? I can't begin to imagine what that, like, I think of my deepest, darkest moments. And yeah, I've got some for sure. But I mean, to, to have a lifelong battle within yourself that turns into a dance because we like to talk about it as sure. a dance form. But to have, like, how how do you find that way out of that feeling and not just live inside that the whole time? Does that... It's hard. It's very difficult. But what I where I've gotten to now is I, I have all these things in my life that do bring me happiness and that I have carved out a path for myself where I am very public about what I'm going through and I have found all these mechanisms to help me cope. You know, such as, you know, it started with my wife finally like, seeing me as a person, not seeing me as like an eczema monster and loving me for who I was and then getting dogs and finding comedy was such a huge one because I have always had lots of energy and now I can pour it into this thing. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Good Trip Podcast. My name is Brent Pella. I am your host on this journey. Uh, this is a series of conversations with people from the fields of entertainment, medicine, business, and beyond, each with their own unique perspectives and experiences uh, regarding psychedelics, psychedelic medicine, and plant medicines, all with the intention of lowering the societal stigma towards psychedelics and raising awareness as to what's going on in the psychedelic medicine space. Today's guest is my good buddy, Alex Hooper, hilarious comedian based out of LA, who you might have seen on America's Got Talent a couple years ago, absolutely roasting the judges on stage. Hilarious. Go watch his clips if you can and check him out on Instagram at Hooper Hair Puff. Exactly how it sounds. Um, Alex is one of the most positive guys that I know. We got into um, some pretty deep conversations about the challenges that he has faced health-wise over the years with eczema and most recently being diagnosed with a form of cancer. Um, we got into his response to these challenges, which is informed in a big way by his experiences with psychedelics and psychedelic medicine over the past 10 plus years on his own. Uh, he's got an incredibly just uh, like intoxicatingly uh, contagious positive outlook toward everything that gets thrown at him. And it's, it's evident in just the radiant light that is emanating from this dude's pores at all times. That's right. I said light emanates from his pores. Sounds weird is the absolute truth because I love this man and I know you will too. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Doc Parsley's Sleep Remedy. Now, this is a product that was developed by Kirk Parsley, a former Navy SEAL who's actually on the Good Trip podcast. He's got an episode coming out soon where we talk a bit about his experiences working with fellow veterans 
to get them off of prescription pills and off of sleeping pills that are so damaging to your body. And that inspired him to create this, Doc Parsley's Sleep Remedy, which is meant to mimic your body's natural progression into sleep using ingredients like magnesium, L-tryptophan, 5-HTP, and a little bit of melatonin. You can go to bed relaxed and wake up repaired and energized. It comes in tea form uh, as well as capsule form if you don't want to be drinking liquids before bed. It is absolutely delicious. I highly recommend it. And you know, there are so many ways that you can optimize your overall wellness from diet and nutrition to exercise and working out. But for me, at the very top of the priority list, when I think about overall wellness, I'm thinking about sleep, which is why I absolutely love using Doc Parsley's Sleep Remedy. You can get a discount at docparsley.com slash Brent. Go check it out. I highly recommend integrating this into your overall wellness routine because it's worked for me. The Good Trip Podcast also brought to you by Odyssey. Odyssey is a sparkling mushroom elixir. Y'all know I'm a big fan of mushrooms of all kinds, and this right here has 2,500 milligrams of mushrooms. Not magic mushrooms, but don't let that deter you because these mushrooms give you a completely different set of benefits. Lion's mane and cordyceps meant to uplift your mood and give you a smooth, clean energy throughout the day while also sharpening your ability to focus as well as 85 milligrams of caffeine derived from green tea. Odyssey comes in four different flavors. They're available in stores across the country and online at odysseyelixir.com where you can also type in where you are and find out where they are nearby so you can go get a couple packs. Uh, I love Odyssey. I also just love looking at the can. The front of the can has a sacred geometry on it. Sometimes I'll just meditate and stare straight at an Odyssey Elixir can and that's good. So whether you drink it or you stare at it, Odyssey Elixir can help you uplift your mood and give you that clean, smooth energy to allow you to accomplish anything you want to achieve during your day and beyond. So I highly recommend you check out at Odyssey Elixir on Instagram and odysseyelixir.com. And so please enjoy this uninterrupted trip with my good buddy, comedian Alex Hooper. So the first time I saw Alex at, I saw the first time I saw you at uh, LIB, I think I had, I had texted you or something or I saw that you posted a, a photo. So I knew that you were there and I was walking around 3 a.m., pupils the size of quarters, and I saw a group of people uh, in one of the uh, one of the performance tents, and I heard, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I walked over and I saw this massive like this mass of like hair, like red, red like just hair, and 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 suddenly the mass of hair like sat up and went, <laughs> and it was you, and you had just hit ketamine, I'm sure, or something, probably. And uh, I At said, that time of night, probably K. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was definitely like a 4 a.m. K bump. And uh, I said, Alex! And you're like, Brent! And we hugged, and it was beautiful. Yeah, was I totally yeah. remember that. Yeah. It was, it was, I, you know, it's those, you're with 30,000 people. And you go, sure, I'll see you out there, dude. And some people you do, and other people you don't. I don't like making the effort to try and yeah. meet up with people at festivals. I'm like, if it, it will happen if it's supposed to happen. But the whole, like, trying to, like, you be here at this time, and I'll be here at this time it just you can't keep a rigid schedule at a festival no, otherwise you you're not gonna have any fun it defeats the purpose of the flow and know? i do what i do what my friends and i do at festivals we call it the five minute rule is if we say we're going to be somewhere to meet up then we have you have five maybe sometimes if it's a bigger festival like 10 minutes yeah. from that point and then you don't have to stay there anymore oh that's great like and we just say if you're there there because sometimes you just go 
okay, I gotta see what's happening in this tent right now. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, you're walking yeah. on your way somewhere and then maybe you run into another friend or maybe you just see something crazy that you're like, I don't want to miss whatever that is. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm going to go there instead of where I planned. Yeah. But I love, it's the best when you just run into people in those environments because we all are operating, I feel, at a very, for me personally, I'm at a very high level when I'm at a festival. I'm totally. at my I'm at my favorite version of myself because I'm loose, I'm free, I'm expressive, but I'm also carefree and joyous and ready to listen to people and meet people and be open. And I just think it's like, it's just a version of myself where I feel invincible. That's amazing. Yeah. When did you first feel that feeling? What, what was like your earliest memory of a feeling like that i mean i can tell you the first festival i the first real like festival festival i ever did like multiple days was coachella in 2011 mm. and i mean this is like obviously like you know how i dress now i'm showing up to <laughs> i'm showing up to a 99 degree festival in the middle of the desert wearing a jeans and a t-shirt yeah yeah chafing the yeah. hell out of myself <laughs> i used to think that like chafing just happened because i would dance so hard and i'm like no it's because you're wearing denim yeah. in the <laughs> yeah summer you yeah. idiot and so i used to just like take like vats of baby powder before i'd go to a festival and be like <laughs> just slathering it all over myself um but then i would see people and coachella was in 2011 you only see a few people that are really like out there yeah most people are kind of just dressing in summary clothes. yeah this was pre like fashion show coachella right wasn't it, 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 it i'm sure it was fashion show ish but i didn't really understand i wouldn't didn't know that culture at sure, all yeah and i think it was more it definitely wasn't like influencer fashion because social media was still very kind of it still wasn't what it is now yeah but it wasn't it didn't i hadn't seen like that burner culture yet and i remember there were a couple parties i went to in la at like clubs and i didn't realize they were Burning Man parties, but you just go to these places because people invite you and you're like, where did all these costumes come right. from? These people are like in full paint. Like I remember going to I didn't a, know that much leather existed. For sure. I yeah. went to a Mad Max themed party at this at this it's now Academy, but then but at that time it was the Vanguard, but like it was this club. And I remember I'd just seen of Montreal at the Palladium. They were like a great band. It was an awesome show. I had taken Ethan Mushrooms and we're going into this club that my friend invites us to. I don't know we're going to a Mad Max party. Uh -huh. I don't know. And I go in there and there's people dressed as like the monster and stuff like 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 the whole like like with the little like midget on top and it's like a little person sorry um yeah, this was 2011 or 12 sorry we could say it back then um but just like on the shoulders and i'm like who are these people where did they come from and you and were then, on mushrooms and i was on an eighth of mushrooms and uh -huh. this is back when like i would never do this now but this is like you know when you're 26 you just go i'll eat an eighth of mushrooms and walk into a club i've never <laughs> yeah. been to before yeah. i don't care there's no consequences here now i'd be like are you kidding what does this place look like who's right, gonna be there right right i need to know right is there natural light and alkaline water <laughs> what else is there but i remember going in there and just being like oh and then learning this is like what burnt this is like burning man culture and that's when i started to kind of like look at other festivals and things and go oh like i think i'm attracted to that mm. this very this very loving carefree yet generous group of people who literally do not care 
what you think about them. They are going to be endlessly themselves. And a crazy thing is like for a while when I started really like getting into festival culture and starting to like wear the things I wanted to wear, I always said like, you got to keep this separate from comedy, dude. Like this is like, like if comedians and audiences find out that you're dressing like a fucking rainbow clown Mm -hmm. out there, they're not going to take you seriously. And it took me years to realize that why am I keeping my favorite version of myself away from my career that is very much could embrace who I am and what I'm doing. And if I merge these worlds in a way that not really a lot of people are doing at all, who knows what I'll become? Let me be my favorite version of myself on stage too. And that's kind of like when I started really allowing myself to like dress the way I do. That's an incredible shift. And it, it's got to take, I mean, I'd be terrified to do that on stage. As you know, a, as a comedian, you want to look like, typically you want to look cool. Yes. You want to look likable and like relatable so that you're just, you know, you can relate to everybody and get everybody in on the joke. Relatable is the key word there. Because yeah. I thought if I dress like this, who's going to take me seriously? And it was really like roast battle. Roast battle was my, was my kind of my, my entryway into like, well, this is kind of like its own weird thing. I can do character stuff here, mm-hmm. start putting on the outlandish outfits and things like that. But then I realized I wanted to do a version that wasn't like a full, like I don't need to do what I do on like America's Got Talent, like put on a tail and shit like that. But how can I be this festival self within this? And that's when the kimono started. And I remember asking Jeff Ross specifically, I I was like, hey, man, I really want to, like, dress this way, but I don't know if people take me seriously. And he goes, you're not taking yourself seriously. Uh, That's why you don't think it's going to work is because you're worried about what other people are thinking. And then he said, look at Dice. Dice puts on that leather and he becomes a hyperbolized version of himself. He becomes something bigger than just whatever Andrew Dice Clay is. He is now the Dice Man. If you let yourself wear these things then you will just become whatever you're supposed to become. And I just needed somebody to tell me that in just such an easy, like it seems so simple, mm-hmm. but you need, sometimes it's almost like I, I felt like I was asking permission. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of was like, you don't fucking do you, man. Give yourself permission. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm sorry, is there someone giving you rules on co- in comedy? Right. There's not. <laughs> but what I found instantly, I remember my very first week wearing the kimono on stage, like as far as doing stand-up goes, I was headlining on the road and I had just started headlining and I was at the Comedy Cave in Calgary, Alberta mm-hmm. and I wore the kimono all week and I suddenly just felt myself and I felt like I was in this flow state and I what I instantly realized is not only do people are they listening to me they're actually taking me more seriously because even though they might not walk around wearing what I'm wearing they see someone who is overly confident and aware of who they are and suddenly you are forced to pay attention to this person Mm -hmm. because you know their perspective is coming from a place that is authentic and once I realized that, I was like, game on. Dude, right. how far can we push this? That's amazing. So go go back to when you went to that Burning Man party. You were 26 and you dropped the eighth of mushrooms, Probably right? about 26, like that. yeah. Was that one of your... How, how long had you been like... Um, Working with or taking psychedelics or, or so, experiencing psychedelics 
previous to that? Very first time I ever did an eighth of mushrooms. The first time I ever did psychedelics, I was 16 years old. You were 16? 16. Wild. Took an eighth to the face at a party. Of mushrooms? Yes. At a party where everyone else was drinking. I had I procured myself. I, I, I always was attracted to drugs. Since I was like 11, I was like asking the bad kids in middle school. I was like, does anyone here know where to get marijuana? What? Why? Does where does that where come from? That's insane. When I was 11, I was like learning about boobs for the first time. <laughs> for the first time? For the first time. I was like, oh, what are those, dude? Those look sick. You're like, I don't know what I was sucking on when I was a baby, but those weren't these. <laughs> um, I think because I grew up with really, really, really bad eczema. It's still something I battle today. And I was always trying to just find comfort in something. And I always wanted to rebel. I always had that rebellious spirit where I didn't want, I wanted to be a bad kid. And so I wanted to be like, oh, well, bad kids do drugs, right? So let me go do drugs. But then also when I started smoking pot when I was 14, I realized, whoa, like I do feel better. I like being mm. fucked up. And so when I found out about mushrooms, a friend found some, I bought a quarter and I convinced my other friend I was like we're going to this party at our friend Kate's house let's you and I take these mushrooms and he was all about it wow. and everybody else at the party was drinking so I remember specifically I'm this is like an hour and a half in they're taking over right and you're I don't know what's going on I just feel I'm giggling and I'm getting warm I remember her mom came downstairs and she knew she was having a party this was one of those houses where like if you're in the house and nobody is driving sure have some drinks at sure. 16 yeah. with your friends. We had those houses. Yeah. And so, and she came down and I was cracking up. And she goes, God, how much has Alex had? And I was like, nothing. I haven't <laughs> taken any drinks tonight. And everyone's looking at me like, yeah, you fucking took mushrooms, asshole. <laughs> like, but nobody's going to tell like, Nobody. Me out. Okay, good. But I just remember being at this party and everyone's getting so fucked up. And I remember I'm just looking at, I'm sitting on a porch and I'm looking at this light and it's just changing colors. And suddenly I just look at a tree and it was the first time when I went, the trees are breathing just like I breathe. Yeah. The trees are breathing. I'm connected to everything. Wow. I've never looked at the world. It's, I've always <laughs> thought it was me against the world because when you grow up with an autoimmune disorder that you have no control over, you just, oh, you're, I was always in the hospital. I was always at doctor's offices. I was battling myself all mm. the time. And it was the first time I was like, wait a minute. I'm a part of this bigger thing. And I specifically remember after that day, I never looked at nature the same way again. I always had this appreciation for it. And... From that point on, I was just like, I want to do, I want to try all the psychedelics. Wow. You know, and so That's I, you know, incredible. I started, I think, I think the first time I did acid was like 18. Um, I mean, I was trying all. You were young in the game. Your, yeah. your mushroom experience at 16 is much better than my friend's mushroom experience at 16 because he took mushrooms and ended up grabbing a baseball bat, breaking into his neighbor's house, bashing all their TVs and running down the street with no shirt. And he had to get tased by police to be Fuck. like uh, reprimanded. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if they were laced. I've never heard of laced mushrooms though. So it feels a little odd. That does sound very PCP ish. It sounds very PCP ish, doesn't it? Yeah. But apparently, unless I'm wrong and I don't want to say your name out loud, Aaron, but I just did. <laughs> so you let me know what happened back then. But that is a wild experience to have at 16 when your brain isn't even close to being done developing yet yeah did you when you were that young 16 up through let's say that 26 age that first decade of experimentation and experiences did you have anybody to 
connect with and, and kind of give you like guidance or stewardship throughout that experience? Or did you kind of just learn as you no, go? No, I really, I never had like a person being like, you know, this is like medicine, right? Right. Like, I right, had right. people just being like, you want some drugs? Let's get fucked. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, for blow my fucking mind. Yeah. Man. <laughs> because I did look at them as like, I, I knew there were healing powers in this. Like, you know, I remember, I, I specifically remember that first time I took mushrooms going, is this how I'm supposed to feel all the time? Mm. Like if this, is there a way where I can continue this feeling? Cause I wasn't, I wasn't itchy. I wasn't uncomfortable. My skin didn't feel like it was about to just fall off my body. And I just remember going like, I am clear headed. I'm able to have a perfect conversation with you, but everything looks more beautiful. And I feel enlightened, right? Mm. Of course I wasn't by yeah. any means. Um, but I started realizing like like nobody ever told me like, you know, just use them as medicine. So every once in a while I would do them by myself and I would have a healing experience. But for the most part, when I would do psychedelics, it was like, dude, we're going to a festival, fucking two tabs straight mm. down the gullet. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. which is I'm not, it's it's a fine way to do drugs uh, to do those drugs. But so many people that I meet at festivals and so many people that I'm close to, I'm like, have you ever taken psychedelics by yourself? And they're like, No, 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 I would never do that. And I'm like, mm. I think that's not necessarily by yourself, but in a medicinal way. Yeah. And those drugs are really when you give yourself that experience and you do and you can't hide from yourself and you are just allowing this powerful, you know, fungi, plant, whatever, acid, whatever it is you're doing to just take over without any external distractions you know there's not 60 other thousand 60,000 other people there's not a big stage and lights and lit up palm trees mm -hmm. so you're just in it and suddenly that's when like I really was like oh this is I'm like letting things out of me this is digging this is excavating this is when you, you did it on your own is what you're talking yeah, about Yeah, when I do it on my own so so at, at what point uh, between age 16 and now did you start to dabble with trying these drugs on your own probably about 20 I did it for the first time like I remember like there was just no one home so I just took like an eighth of mushrooms by uh -huh. myself in college, like people were, and I was like, and I just remember like, you're like, you're, you know, I'm tripping the fuck out. Like, yeah. I'm just like, Oh my God, but there's no one to talk to. I don't want to like turn on TV or anything. I'm just like listening to music. And then suddenly I just started crying and I was like, why am I crying? And I realized like, I'm thinking about myself as a younger person and how I was so, such an asshole to the people around me and to strangers. And why was I doing that? Well, because I was lashing out against others because I didn't know how to take care of myself. And I, was in this really deep-seated traumatic pain from having this terrible case of eczema, which doctors like, and people are like, okay, like when I say this, by the way, like I have a 10 out of 10 case of eczema. Doctor, a doctor once told me, he's like, there's maybe a thousand people in the world who have it like you do. What? And I was like, okay, cool. I'm how special. Old, how old were you when you were told that? That's a wild thing to hear. That was only probably seven, eight years ago. Okay. You know, because you grow up your whole life and doctors are saying, you're going to grow out of this. Everyone grows out of this. Don't worry. You're going to so, grow uh, out of this. So typically people, I don't know much about the disease, but typically people grow out of yeah. eczema? Most people have it. it. Most people like have a, a pretty mild case or whatever. Yeah. And as you get older, it, you know, it just kind of dissipates. And mine didn't. And I remember like every year, like every doctor's in the back. So it's going to go, right? It's going to go. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the time I got 17, I was like, it's going to go, right? And I remember the doctor going like, 
Nah. And what were you what were you taking medicinally to help like alleviate some of the symptoms? It was mostly time? at that point it's mostly topical ointments. Mm-hmm. Um there's like I mean my whole life I've been on this like cream called Triamcinolone and it's one of the things where like I get out of the shower and I have to like lather myself in some kind of moisturizer, Vaseline, a prescription, whatever it may be. But I've had like all the top of the line drugs. I mean, I was just on until until my current condition, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I'm sure, I was on an, uh, I was injecting myself every two weeks with a uh, in with a injectable uh, drug called Dupixent that wow. came out a few years ago. Um, it's really just like, yeah, I mean, drugs were always an escape from my own self. Yeah, and I realized, but if I use them as an escape, is there also a way to dive into myself to actually, instead of escaping, but to explore what's Mm. really happening Mm -hmm. inside of me. And this is something that I've done for many years, ever since I've realized how healing they were and how powerful they were. I pick at least one day a year where no one else is allowed around me. And I do some psychedelic in, in a heroic dose where I am literally just like purging Mm. anything I can out of me, trying to forgive my younger self for all of my terrible actions that I did then. And I pretty much have, um, but also like, you know, figuring out like, well, how can I be better to my parents? How can I be better to my siblings, my wife, my friends, um, all of that stuff. And I still will go to a party and you know take uh, usually not psychedelics anymore like usually i mean like i'll eat like a tab of ass or like at a festival but like i've realized like i'm just better on molly if i'm in those environments (laughs) yeah Yeah. because like you know like you know when you you run into somebody like let's say i ran into you and you're so fucked up that you can barely even like register the fact that i'm talking to you and Mm -hmm. it's almost like overwhelming to be in this environment well at that point, like maybe you should have been alone, you know? Right. So now I try to do drugs that are more, so, I think like psychedelics, like in, in smaller doses are great for festivals, but I don't want to be in a social setting where I'm tripping. Like, yeah. I just, not hard. Not hard. No, no. Like, yeah. Small doses. Sure. But I just feel like I'm doing, I'm not, I'm doing a disservice to myself and to the drug itself. If I'm, if it almost feels like I'm not taking it seriously. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's dr- abuse. I mean, that's drug abuse instead of, you know, the, the theory of treating it as medicine um, yeah. and doing the deep dive that you talked about. I would love to know more about that one day a year. Do you have a name for that day? Do yeah, you, you call wanna, it the purge? You ready for it? What no, is it? The purge would be a great name. <laughs> but every year I do it either on Christmas Eve or Christmas. No way! And it is called Alex's Introspective Christmas. <laughs> And it has been going for eight years now. My friends all what? know about it. It got to the point. So here's what's crazy about it. Because here's why I would do it then is I would be, my wife for the past 10 years has gone home for Christmas usually. She would almost always go home. Okay. So I would stay, I would stay home, watch the dogs and stuff like that. Or I'd be by myself in LA. And... Christmas has never been that thing where it's like, I got to be with family. I got to be with people. I'm with people every day of my life. Yeah. I can take people. And my friends were like, Alex, like after the year three, they were like, it's kind of sad, Alex. Like (laughs) they were like, and I was like, why? And they were like, you're it's Christmas and you're doing drugs by yourself. And then one of my friends went, I don't think that's sad at all. 
I, like, I don't think it's that at all. Yeah. And I was like, yes. And I was like, this is my, this is my reset. This is me going, what did I learn this past year? How have I grown? What do I want to do going into next year? And every year there's always a point when like, you know, this year, like let's say this, so last introspective Christmas, 11 months ago, I took three tabs of acid. Holy God. By myself. Wow. You know, it's just, and, and, and set the scene for me. Are you in your home? In my apartment. You, yeah. Do you have, like, do you just put your phone away and turn it off? Do you have yep. electronics? I pr- so I, I put on, I, I can't look at my phone at all. No, I do no, 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 no. It's, it's, there's no TV allowed. Yeah. I put on, I usually put on like a, I start with like a three hour, like mix, like from like a burning man set or something like that. of okay. someone where like something, hopefully something that I was there for personally because then I'll start to reconnect you with like myself. to tap back into that energy yeah sure. but even still as long as it's like beautiful kind of like tribally and spacey and yeah. it's journey music right sure, it is, sure. it's in the background but it's there and I literally just force myself to just sit and you just wait for the onslaught. There's no like, cause you know it's coming, but at a, when you're doing it at a festival, you're like, well, I'll go watch this artist or I'll go play over here for a bit. When you're just sitting going, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Should mm-hmm. I have done this? Oh fuck, okay. <laughs> I did I take more than I thought I did? I don't know, maybe I did. It doesn't yeah. feel that much right now. Okay, here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> but it is such a powerful thing to go through. And I know I will cry. I will laugh. I go through all these stages. But my big revelation this past year was, okay, going into this year, my I know I'm about to marry. My my girlfriend and I have been together for, you know, 15, 18 years, whatever it may be. We're about to get, we know we're getting married in April. And we know we want to have a family. Well, how the fuck am I going to do that? I am a comedian. I make a marginal amount of money that doesn't really seem like it's going to support another person. (laughs) Like, how am I going to live my life when I travel, when I do all these things? And then I'm just staring out the window, kind of just looking out into the night sky. And I thought, like, I spend so much of my energy to try to please other people and to try to make other people happy in a way that like in an authentic way where it's like, I'm not trying to like put anything on them. But I, when I see someone struggling, like I look at it as my job to like, I want to try to help them heal. I want the people to discover what they're supposed to be here for. When somebody tells me they don't have a purpose, that to me is the saddest thing in the entire world. And I'm like, can we find it? Because some, maybe there's gotta be a reason for you to keep going every single day. And I'm fortunate that I found it. My purpose is spreading joy and love through comedy. That's what I do. And I make people laugh and that's great. But then I suddenly had this thought of like, well, if you spend all this energy just dishing it out to other people nonchalantly, barely even thinking about it, giving away all your energy, what if you pour that same energy into your own kid? What's going to happen then? What kind of little love monster, creative little fuck will come out of you <laughs> if you instead instead of trying to help all these other people, which you can still do in your own way, but you pour that same love and energy into your own kid? Yeah. What are they going to become? And suddenly, I literally like collapsed. I was like, <gasps> that was it? Yeah. <laughs> that was the moment. That's why, and then like I literally was like, "That's why you fucking do introspective Christmas." Like I'm in my, own, I'm in my own apartment, dude. Like that's fucking. This it. is why we play. <laughs> this is why we play. <laughs> exactly. That's I'm insanity. cutting down the net, dude. Oh around my the rim. god, dude! You should like. I, I hope your wife one year just puts a hidden camera in the corner. 
Just for her own sake. She doesn't have to show oh, you. Oh, my God. I'd be terrified. But I would love to see. You're dancing around the room, butt naked, yelling at nobody. That's awesome. Dude, dude it, it's. That's it, so fun. It's so silly. And I also, you got to remember, I have two pugs sitting yeah, there with yeah, me yeah. who are looking at me like, Dad? Oh, is my Is everything God. okay? How many of those have you done uh, up, to, up to now? Eight total. Eight but total? I will say eight, eight on Christmas, but two years in a row. My friends started inviting themselves. Well, they were like, well, I really? want to do psychedelics on Christmas. And like the first year, it was like four people and we all did DMT together. And that was fine. Okay. It was fun. Well, DMT only lasts a Ten short amount so. of time. Yeah. yeah. So that's a short one and everything. And it was fine. But the next year, like... 12 people invited themselves to my apartment. Oh, wow. And they were all tripping on acid, ketamine, mushrooms, DMT, whatever oh, it may be. And I, was just, like and I literally was going, I was like, guys, I love all of you, but this is not what fucking introspective Christmas <laughs> is. All about, yeah. I can't be introspective when I got 19 people in my fucking apartment uh, all tripping. Drugs. <laughs> like, yeah. This That's isn't what insanity. I need. And so I made a hard line after that year. Yeah. I was like, no moss. Introspective Christmas is my day. Yep. Like, yep. fuck it You guys can do New Year's. It's a week later. Exactly. You can all go party on New Year's. Now, was, was your cancer diagnosis before or after Oh, you just dropped the bomb. Uh-oh, I have cancer. Christmas. <laughs> 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 Boo! Yeah. Um, was the di- did the diagnosis come before or after this past? Christmas? Oh, this is the diagnosis only came two months ago. It was recent, right? Yeah. That's so what I, thought. Yeah. I started, which crazy. And here, okay, another healing power of drugs, everybody. So I came back from my wedding in Mexico, and I had had some like problems with my skin, and my lymph nodes were a little swollen. And I thought, okay, well, I've been partying for ten straight days at my wedding. Then I saw so, like ten days later was Desert Hearts, and I work Desert Hearts. Like I bring comedy to them and I oh, help cool. them. And so awesome. I'm at that festival every year. I love yeah. those guys. And I I remember like I was feeling really shitty and my skin broke out again and I got I thought I had a massive staph infection, which is something that happens to people that get eczema have eczema because oftentimes we'll just have an open little wound and like a scab or something like that from itching, whatever it may be, from yeah. just having weak skin, and something will get in there and suddenly you have a staph infection. I dealt with this all the time when I was a kid, like pus oozing out of my fucking body. It's gross. Sick. Yeah, super sick, dude. <laughs> so tight. Fucking, I love pussy. <laughs> um I used to say I don't get pussy, but I get pussy. pussy. Um so I was just like, okay, I went to, I, I literally, when I got back from Desert Hearts, I immediately went to urgent care and I asked for antibiotics and steroids to take care of the staph infection. Cause I know what to do at this point with that shit. I'm like, go to the urgent care, just ask for what you need, get it. Good. I'm fine for the next few weeks. I go to lightning in a bottle and this is at the end of May. Desert Hearts is at the end of April. This was at the end of May, one month later. Saturday night of lightning in a bottle. I don't know if you remember. It was windy as fuck. Oh dude, do I remember? Yeah. Nightmare, Nightmare of a dust storm. And one of those things where it was so dust. We had not had rain, so it was way dustier than usual. Yeah. Because the first year at that location, it rained the very first night, and so there was no dust so whatsoever for the entire yeah. festival. And it was yeah. beautiful and amazing. And this year, I was like, whoa, Like you can see this shit swirling around. I got around. a story for you from this year's festival, too. Okay, after, great. After yeah, this. please. Yeah. Um, and I remember Saturday night, I was like... 
um i'm a woogie guy i'm really just yeah. like that's my i'm a house and techno like yeah. you know groovy kind of shit and i remember it was max cooper into fortet two people who i've seen fortet a bunch of times i've never seen max cooper but two very psychedelic based like they're trippy and weird and yeah. this is journey yeah. fucking music for five and a half hours that yeah. i'm about to go on <laughs> so i take i call it i called i guess i said guys i'm doing tabber day that is two tabs on Saturday. Tabber day. Cool. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And I remember all that dust. And I remember feeling my neck. And I was like, my neck feels huge. It feels swollen. It feels like still, something is still wrong with me. And so I made the decision like that Saturday night while tripping my ass off. When I get back, I'm going back to urgent care. I'm gonna, or I'm going to go see my primary care physician because something is really wrong here. And as soon as, so six days later, were you feeling okay? It was just some swelling. Like, did you mostly have just any... swelling? Okay. And my skin was kind of fucked up, but like that wasn't really. An, but it was more than that. Like okay. this, this time, I knew this wasn't just eczema. Okay. Because my, why aren't my lymph nodes? If I have a staph infection, my lymph nodes should swell and then they should go down. Because swollen lymph nodes are a sign that you're that you have an infection. That's pretty common. Is what you will go and then back down. Mine didn't go back down. So mm. my neck just kept like widening out. Soon as I saw, like six days later, see my primary care physician, my PCP, the good PCP. <laughs> what up? Um, and she goes, I don't want to scare you, but this looks like lymphoma to me. So we need to send you to a specialist. And at that point, three months of testing and doctors and specialists where every other every week I'm going to a different person or taking a different test starts with blood work then an MRI then a PET scan then a CT scan then a bone marrow aspiration then a neck biopsy yeah the bone yeah oh You're, my the bone God. marrow you were exactly right to make that sound yeah by far the worst part of this they entire go into experience your bone dude they go into your bone it is the weirdest pain you have ever felt oh. they go in through your hip and you're just laying down and literally they had a nurse like holding me down and I'm just going <laughs> and the doctor going like you have very hard bones dude oh my you have very God. hard bones and he's just pressing and you can just feel this ah! and you're dude when I when that ended it what they so my wife was not in the room with me at that time she couldn't be in there because that's kind of a weird procedure to be done sure. as soon as it was over the nurse said doctor like you did it you're okay we're gonna send in your wife she walked in and she looked at me. I just burst in tears. I just, everything that I'd been holding in, trying to breathe out, trying to stay calm, not feel this pain, it suddenly just, it overwhelmingly came out of me. And she just like held me as I cried. And I was just like, it was the worst fucking thing ever. But that's how they figure out if it's stage four. Because they knew it was either stage three or stage four. Because they found it, the MRI and the PET scans have showed that it was already in my pelvis mm -hmm. and my and armpits. For people not familiar with the stages, can you just yeah. quickly break so, that down? Cancer has four stages, one through four. And typically four, like four is the worst. That means it's very advanced. But with the type of cancer I have, which is Hodgkin's lymphoma, the stages don't mean it's more deadly. It just means it's more advanced in far, as far as how much movement has happened. It's okay. spread. So whereas like it'd be worse for me to have stage one lung cancer than it would for me to have stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma. Got it. Okay. Just because like if you get like, like lung cancer, I mean, that's just bad. Yeah. But so, yeah. And so all of this like led up and honestly, that's the worst fucking time is these three months where I'm, you might have lymphoma. Okay. Then three months of, it's the only thing I'm thinking about. It's all, it's, it's constantly on my mind. I can't, I'm not writing good jokes. I'm not, I feel shitty, but also I knew something was wrong with me. 
And I knew possibly that it was cancer, but I can't tell anybody yet because I don't really have news. And so people, what what was killing me so much, Brent, is everyone, people know me as this very happy little sprite. I'm usually in a good mood. I'm very silly. And somebody would see me and they'd be like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm okay. And they'd be like, just okay? Yeah. But you're yeah. Alex Hooper. What do you yeah. mean? What you got to be great, okay? right? Is this a bit? And, and I'm like, can I just be okay? Can oh, I just be man. like fine yeah. for once? Yeah. And Here's the weird, here's a weird, weird thing. When they told me I had cancer, I was like, great, cool. What do we do? Get it out of me. There was a little bit of relief because in leading up to that, from about, I'd say February through May, I was in a funk. I was tired. I was not myself. I was not creative. I wasn't inspired. I couldn't figure out what to do with my time. And I was just kind of like, in lost and when they told me you might have cancer i went oh it's not my brain just didn't give up mm. i didn't just stop wanting to be a creative person i didn't want to not be out in the world like you know doing what i do physically everything in my body was going shut it down shut it down shut it down mm -hmm. and so I was like, okay, so what do we do to get this out of me? And they were like, well, here's your chemo plan. You know, 12 treatments, 12, uh, six cycles, two cycle, two every two weeks, which is uh, 12 total times. And hopefully then we'll eradicate it and it's gone. And your your immediate response to that is, is okay, how do we get it out of me? Like your, your immediate response is action. Do you think that's because coming up with eczema, you already battled so much shit. Yeah. That you know, just kind of added to your place. So it didn't freak you out as much as I thought it would, you know? You know, there's a there's a moment. There is a moment when yeah. you find out, like, you're like, okay, well, the world's on fire. We're running out of water. Everything yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, check, okay. please. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. And then you start to kind of think like, oh, well, then I really don't have to, like, find another project or, like, book, send another email to a mm -hmm. booker. Mm -hmm. Like, I could just be the guy where they go, oh, that sucks what happened to Alex Hooper. He was really funny, right? He was, <laughs> that's that's really heartbreaking. He, what could have been, right? What could have been? And you start to kind of, like, visualize these... <laughs> <laughs> this beautiful moments of these people like mourning you yeah, and like yeah. oh gone too soon <laughs> like oh and then he, but no then I, I was like no okay you guys know what it is cool how do we get it out of me right. great let's fucking go so I can get back to being myself again and my wife did say she's like you have always been at war with your body and I was like well I don't feel like I've been at war she goes well what do you call it and I was like yeah, I guess you're, I have a well, very... Well, what, what do you call it, though? Because from my perspective, hearing about you, your experience with eczema and now your experience with cancer, I wouldn't... And everything I've seen, you know, we get together every couple of months for yeah. a podcast or a show or whatever, but I see your... The way you express yourself and express the journey... I wouldn't call it war, dude. If I, honestly, I'd call it like dancing, almost. That's it's, a great it's way It's almost look, like... Yeah. Because wrestling is a bit too negative. Dancing, there seems to be some type of flow to it you know i i hope you win the dance obviously but it, when you call it war I, I just feel like there's this negative connotation that comes with that that kind of lowers your the overall vibration you're putting into the experience that's exactly how i saw it when she said the word war i've spent the last few years very much as you have trying to 
reconcile that I am one with everything mm -hmm. and that there should be this unity and like you said a vibration that we can all get on the same wavelength and if I'm flowing with the universe and with society and with everything else then keep riding that wave everything's fine which is why even though she's right like I have been like I used to like I mean I used to say I hate my skin I hate myself I hate why was I born into this fucking body blah 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 but now I try to be like I love you skin yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry that you're in a bad mood today right. but I still like you for protecting me in the best way you know how <laughs> and so yeah you're, you're right where when the cancer came in I was like Another thing, here we go. Yeah. And then I kind of like, Nicole Amy Schreiber was like, hit me up and was like, you know, she, my mom's an oncologist and cancer might help your eczema. And I was like, really? She goes, "What? it's not uncommon to see that because, because of chemo, what chemotherapy does, what, what cancer is, because honestly, I didn't understand really what cancer was. Yeah. Cancer is these cells in, that are already inside of you that suddenly get a mutation and then they cannot stop rapidly dividing. So essentially, they're just what, what happens with a tumor is these cells are going out of control. And imagine like if, if there was like if there was a corner store at, that fit 10 people comfortably and suddenly 10,000 people wanted to come in this corner store and it would just it just basically explodes, right? And that's what cancer is doing. And that's always what my body was doing with eczema is I always said how I how I describe my eczema is if if one person invaded the United States from a warring country and the United States was like, send the entire army after him, mm -hmm. everybody, everybody go to everybody get to North Carolina where this one guy just showed up. That's what my body thinks it has to do. So it overwhelms itself. Right. And some because chemo, what that does is it knocks it stops all these drugs from dividing basically by clearing your entire system out where it's getting rid of all the good and all the bad and all the good at the same time. Mm. So it's kind of like flushing your entire system out. And so I'm hoping that she's right where maybe some of my eczema tendencies that come with that disease, with that autoimmune, also get like flushed out. And this is almost like a restart mm -hmm. for myself. I don't know yet because people are like, doesn't cancer make you itchy? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what my chemo nurse says. She's like, are you itchy? And I was like, I have no gauge <laughs> yeah, yeah, for that. <laughs> you don't have a barometer anymore. Yeah, just for my entire life. Right, yes. right, right. Like, and that's, and so I'm hoping that's a thing. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to tell myself that like that, like I'm trying to like, you know, I'm meditating like all, even more than usual now just because I have the time and I'm trying to really visualize my skin being clear and the cancer being gone and mm -hmm. all these other things. Mm -hmm. And... It's just, it is a weird dance that I am constantly with myself. How do I feel today? Because I, I guarantee you there's been times when you, we've been around each other where internally I'm hurting, I'm struggling. Sure. And I feel, it. I always say this, my wife would be like, Alex, you know, like, I don't really see it today. And I'm like, I know, I always feel it way more than anyone else will ever see it. But when I feel, when I'm in that state of discomfort, there's, to find joy is extremely hard. How how do you find joy in that state? I can't begin to imagine what that like. I think of my deepest darkest moments, and yeah, I've got some for sure. But I mean, to to have a lifelong battle within yourself that turns into a dance because we like to talk about it as sure. a dance more. But to have like how how do you find 
that way out of that feeling and not just live inside that the whole time. Does that, it's hard. It's very difficult. But what I, where I've gotten to now is I, I have all these things in my life that do bring me happiness and that I have carved out a path for myself where I am very public about what I'm going through. And I have found all these mechanisms to help me cope, you know, such as, you know, it started with my wife, like seeing me as a person, not seeing me as like an eczema monster and loving me for who I was and then getting dogs and finding comedy was such a huge one because I have always had lots of energy and now I can pour it into this thing. And anytime I'm having a really shitty fucking day, even when I feel awful and everything hurts my skin it feels really tight like imagine a really bad sunburn if you had a really bad sunburn mm-hmm. those are what my like what a bad day of eczema feels like where you're just like I don't want to fucking move Damn. right now. Yeah. But then I go, okay, what is your a step out of your own life. Step out of it for a second and take away, look at, add up all the things in your life. And like, you look at all the things you have. You have this incredible like partner and these great dogs and this huge group of friends. And you get to go on stage with people that you grew up watching on TV. You are performing at legendary clubs. You're touring. People are paying money to hear what you have to say. Like, yeah, I fucking have a medical condition that hurts and it sucks, but overall look at everything else like i'm you know when i look at like i look at like you know that flooding in like pakistan and stuff like that people getting their entire lives wiped away they have nowhere to go they don't have clean water to drink and i'm like i'm not that yeah i'm not going through that yeah you know i still even on my worst day I can go to a comedy club and get on stage right. and find, and when I'm on stage, I don't, I don't think about it at all. Right. It's never, you know, I mean, stage health is real. You oh know that. Oh my God. Of course. It's whatever, therapy. It's whatever therapy. you're going through, you forget it as soon as you yeah. get up there. 100%. And I have those few minutes. And even if I might feel gross within myself, I have very much tried and psychedelics have been a huge part of this healing process to just try to give love to myself and tell my, like, I didn't do this. I didn't do this to me, mm-hmm. but it is something that I that I have to reckon with and have to accept. So if I if I if instead of battling, if I accept and work with this as a partner that is with me, then okay, maybe the day will get a little bit easier to manage. Dude, what's wild is that you independently of any type of outside influence, like specific outside influence, you built a foundation for yourself with psychedelic medicine very and, much and so. treatment leading all the way up to two and a half months ago when you got diagnosed with cancer. Yep. That's like, do you, do you ever think of that and just how strong the foundation that you gave yourself is? Cause a lot of people might be diagnosed with something like that spin off into a depression or not have, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the, just what you built for your own, mental and emotional well-being through all of those experiences leading up to this year i think part a big part of it is like i have i used to blame like blame myself for the eczema or blame the universe or just basically like like i don't understand why i don't deserve this and fuck whoever whoever it is that decided i should have it and this isn't fair blah 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 okay well, guess what? Every most things aren't fair, mm-hmm. and every so, how do I learn to live with this thing and just be 
okay with it. And I, dude, I mean, this was the major cause of all of my depression and my anger for so many years. And then finding all these things that did make me happy, I kind of was able to get on the other side of it. Of it. And so when the cancer did, when I did find out it was cancer, it was this moment of like, okay, I've done a lot of work with myself here. I'm going to grieve this and I'm going, I know it's going to cause me pain and strife and tears, but what's really, what's really hard, dude, about this, it's not about what I'm going through because I'm going to go through this no matter what. It's my family, my loved ones, they see someone going through this and all you want to do is help. All you want to do is say, I wish I could get rid of that for you. I don't know what to do. Like my mom was like, this is the worst thing I've had. She had, 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 has had cancer. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> cancer of speaking? Yeah. Um, but she had, and she said, this is the hardest thing I've ever been through, Alex. Like watching, I can't, contr- I can't help you here. I don't know what to do. And same... I think the worst person is the person not going through cancer, but the person directly adjacent. I think my wife has, because she suddenly, not only does she have to deal with this thing of, if, like I was thinking like, well, if I die, like whatever, man, like Mm -hmm. that's cool. She's young. She's pretty. She'll find something. But she's thinking like, what if my husband dies? What do I need to do to take care of this person all of a sudden? I Oh, okay. Alex, you go to sleep. You rest. I'll cook all the meals. I'll plan everything. I'll take you to doctor's visits. While living her own life, uh, right. doing her own work, she owns a business. And like, I think the person directly adjacent has the hardest job, even more than the patient. Wow. Does your wife have experience with psychedelics as well? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I, I think I can say that with sure. And we don't have to I mean, say her name or her job. Yeah, uh, she. <laughs> but but yeah. And I I used to say when she was still, I used to have a joke where uh, before we were married, I'd say, "You'd never know my girlfriend does drugs unless you met her boyfriend." Hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, and because she is seeming like you know she carries herself very well. She doesn't have this kind of like you know exotic wook semi wook look yeah, you know yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, like no one ever has looked at me and been like i wonder if that guy smokes weed right like but <laughs> yeah. she, but with her like she's kind of one of those hidden people where she's very professional very you know just carries herself well but when she wants to get down she'll fucking get down sure yeah so she's you know we've had a lot of those healing experiences together and things like that like we've done psychs just just the two of us and just mm-hmm. like you know held hands and like felt the energy flowing through us and it's she's really good about that stuff and honestly i'm kind of waiting to do them again because i've had a couple opportunities as of late yeah when's the last time have you done any psychedelics since the diagnosis no um and there was a time when i was going to because i thought they were calling to me like you know like i always think like like you don't psychedelics will will tell you when you're ready again and you kind of have this moment of like I'm kind of going through something like do I need to go you know what I kind of want to do some shrooms right now Mm -hmm. um and I thought about it because I was like whoa okay let me let me really go inside myself and see what's going on in here and see if I can feel what's happening and talk to my body and 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 my wife was like I don't think you should do it. And I went why she's like because I think you're going to be painfully aware of what's happening inside you to the point where instead of it being healing, it might scare you. Um, Wow. And she was right. Like, I think I, I was like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. But like that night at lightning in a bottle, I couldn't stop. Even though I'm, 
that uh, that Fortet set was one of my favorite festival sets I've ever seen from a DJ because he, I mean, just expanded fucking 40 different genres in two and a half hours, went all over the place, and it was incredible. Yep. But I remember I couldn't stop going like, Damn. So she was right where I was like, maybe I would like be really aware of them and I would get scared. And so I still don't know when I'm going to do it again. Like I haven't, I've, I've been off all alcohol, pills, powders, and psychs. I've been on only weed for, um, you know, for three, four months now. You know, a lot of people consider weed a psychedelic, like a very low level. Doesn't do it to me. I don't think so. Psychoactive, maybe. Yeah. Psychoactive. How, how has uh, uh, weed helped you lately? I mean... I thought, because obviously weed and cancer go, you know, they're best friends. Like yeah. they, Everyone will tell you, like, even before weed was legal, people were like, yo, you got to get some weed in there for yeah, cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the big thing was because it will help you, a lot of people get really nauseous. And so you get really sick and you don't want to eat. But if you get stoned, you'll get the munchies and it'll force you to eat and it'll relax your body a little bit. I've been very fortunate where... I, my side effects have been so minimal. I haven't had nausea. Good. My hair has thinned, but it hasn't, I haven't like, obviously I haven't lost it. Mm -hmm. um, I have had a little fatigue here and there, a little like cough here and there, but nothing like major. So I've just been smoking weed basically because that's, I do it at night anyway. And it yeah. does make me, it does help me relax, but I haven't, um, I haven't needed it like as a actual like, whoa, I really feel like shit. I better smoke just so I can eat some fucking right. pasta right, right now. Right, 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 Yeah. Yeah. So you're not in a ton of physical pain on a daily basis. No. And it's honestly like, it's almost... I was preparing myself for when you like, I was preparing myself for everything, you know, I'm like, Oh man, here comes, here comes the vomiting. Here comes yeah. the, here comes canceling shows. Here comes not being able to go like leave the bed. No, like it just hasn't happened. And my chemo nurse was kind of like, you know, you're very young and you're very healthy and your attitude is paramount to mm -hmm. everything right now mm -hmm. and i see a lot of people come in and they feel defeated and they feel and they want to give up and they don't they feel like their body's turning against them and like we've talked about like my body has always been against me in some right. way right so i'm like yeah of course yeah. i got i got cancer like do you want to sprinkle in some aids <laughs> and a bowl on top of that too like i'll fucking hit give me, me COVID 24 dude <laughs> hit me dude i'll take the first new version yeah and fucking now it's like I don't I don't know I I, I just like I'm in this kind of state where it's like uh, the treatments are going so well that people I've had people question whether or not it's real which is hilarious <laughs> like that's just like I'm like come on guys that's what crazy people coming in after shows they're like is that, is that legit you really have cancer <laughs> I'm like do you think I made that up for 12 minutes of material that's insane like, <laughs> that's crazy have you talked to any of your doctors or anybody else about um psychedelics as medicine i not I, in terms of fighting cancer of course but I, I i've just been reading a lot about how uh there are a lot of trial studies right now with ketamine therapy and, and psilocybin especially for cancer patients yeah i mean and you know i'm i'm a big proponent of using psychedelics as medicine in controlled environments and you know you have to like i'm a person where like i don't need someone to guide me through the experience necessarily i wouldn't turn it down if it was the right person but i've been do i've done you know at this point i mean i don't know how many times i've tripped in my life but if, i mean if you're including if you're including like molly and stuff like that i mean like 
I mean, I've, I've taken acid at least 50 to 100 times, shrooms as many, Molly just as I mean, like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm probably pushing close to a thousand with mm-hmm. all the, the amount of trips I've had in my life. <laughs> and so, like, I know what, I know essentially what it's going to do to me yeah. that I can put myself in a situation where I know I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm one of those very, I'm very much one of those people that I don't say bad trip. I say challenging trip. Yeah. It's only bad when you do what your friend did. When you suddenly leave where you're supposed to be. Like somebody's like, yeah, I don't like these people anymore. I'm getting in my car and I'm driving home. It's like, that's when it's a bad Bad. trip. Yeah. You create a bad trip. Aubrey Marcus said this recently. He said, uh, you know, your, your supposed bad trip is not bad. It's still teaching you something. It's giving you a journey to go through and a challenge to overcome. And when you get out the other side of that trip, you're going to realize the whole meaning behind everything that you just went through. Whether it's sobbing your eyes out because you some emotion in you just rose up from whatever music you're listening to or people you're around, whatever negative uh, uh, perception that you're having of the moment. It's just that. It's a perception. It's not yeah. that the moment is negative. It's that you're perceiving the moment to be negative. So how can you work through that? And so therefore, there are no bad trips. I very much believe it's like taking a backhoe to your foundation. And it's like, you don't know what's under your house sometimes until you look under there. And you might not want to see the skeletons that were buried, but but you have to know that they're at least there and where they came from. And I think that's when people are like, you know, I'm so afraid to have a bad trip. I'm so afraid to, it's like, if you go into it like that, you're going to have one. Right. If you go you're attracting in, it. If you're going saying, I'm going to allow myself to have this experience, I am going to be open to this, I am in a safe, controlled environment, preferably with at least one other person, if you don't know what you're doing, with another person who has been there before that can guide you and help you should any negativity come ar- arise that you don't want to deal with on your own. Right. Fair. But like that's if it comes out of you, it means it was, it, it was hidden in there. When I did ayahuasca, uh, I did, I've only done it once. I did a two night ceremony. So two different nights, but was it out here in LA? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was like, there was a special, like, you know, you got to find your group and stuff sure, like sure, that. Sure. Yeah, it was yeah, in LA yeah. and they just like rented an Airbnb, which I always wonder like, do these people that rent these Airbnbs have any fucking idea <laughs> that know? there's 20 Dude, people you puking <laughs> in their living room right now? Can you imagine if they have the, one of those Nest cameras? <laughs> they're watching the whole thing and somebody comes out with a flute and everybody's sitting cross-legged and they're like, what the fuck? Are these people summoning yeah. in my living room right Why now? Why does everyone have a bucket? Right. Uh, what's happening right now? There's this man with a harp in the corner. But dude, I went in there. So <laughs> I'm a person who I almost never vomit. Like almost never. And, Same, I, went in, yeah. and I went in there going, here we go. Find, find. I know I've dealt with a lot of my trauma, but let's find more. Let's get it out of me. And I ended up for two nights in a row just having the most blissful, like the panthers talking to me, the snakes talking to me me but they're very much like alex you just keep on going buddy just keep spreading that love keep doing your comedy you're on the right path you just keep on going and by the way this is uh march 6th and 7th of 2020 Uh, so i wish it had been like keep doing what you're doing also the entire world's about to shut down just so you know Uh, uh, a little um little bt dubs right here um but other people in my group, you know, I'm listening to everybody vomit and everybody, and I was silent, just enjoying myself for hours. And it was so, I was like waiting for it. And I was like, wow, maybe I really have done 
more work on myself than I give my, than I give myself credit for that I can go into something where I was looking for it to pull out pull things out of me and all it did it was like maybe there's more in you maybe there is but for this one we're just going to guide you wow forward we're going yeah, we're going to yeah, show yeah. you the things that you want to see we don't want we don't want you to blow up and have some traumatic you know bring, we don't need that right now mm-hmm. what you need is this mhm Fuck. That's, I mean, that's incredible. I, I haven't done ayahuasca yet, but it keeps crossing my path. And, and the way you said, you know, certain psychedelics will reach out to you and let yeah. you know when they're ready for you. That keeps happening to me over the past like three years, especially now with a couple of things that I'm trying to work through on my own. Um, it just keeps coming up in conversation and in these types of interactions. So, but we do have to ask, what was your lighting in a bottle story that you, oh, that you, that you dude, brought up? So yes. Uh, Am I the host of this podcast? And this, <laughs> and this for anybody mm. that wants to know is, um, uh, coming out on comedy central digital. They did one of the tales from the trip. Oh, sick. Have yeah. you done that yet? No, no. Oh dude. I would love to recommend you if you're down. Yeah, they, for sure. So they Please. animate uh, a whole story. That oh, I've seen them. They're great. Yeah. They're really yeah. fun. So, um, me and Natalie were at a music festival about, two years ago and my buddy was there and he gave us uh, a tab of acid and we split it. We each had half and nothing happened. It was not, it was, we felt nothing. It must've been a dud or something. She went to sleep. I partied a little longer. He was playing. It was awesome. It was totality music festival in the middle of nowhere. And it was, it was just nothing. It was still a fun time, but we felt nothing. So cut to LIB this past year, a different friend of mine uh, gets me some tabs and he says, hey, just be careful with these because they're very strong. And I was like, yeah, for sure. I've heard that before. Right? And when the, just take half. Just take half. Just be careful. Take less of these than you normally would. Like he said that. And yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, that's what just happened. I'll, I'll be fine. I've done acid, you know, three or four times before. Um, so I know what I'm doing, kind of. So we go to LIB. We each have a full tab, right? We wait an hour and we just barely get that sensation of like buzzy just a little bit of buzziness it was like almost like a universe is hello like it's just petting our cheeks you know we're getting the god touch okay and so we think we're like it's been an hour should we do another one and she's like yeah i think so because i don't want to just go to sleep again she falls asleep pretty easily and so we each do another tap i weigh 185 pounds okay she does not yeah right <laughs> i know your girlfriend yeah. yeah she does not she's a solid 50 less i don't even want to guess because that's rude and i respect women but either way she's a small person she's a small person she's on exact the exact same amount as i am and so uh, uh immediately after taking the second tab we walk over to the stage the dust is starting to move a little bit but it's not crazy yet we go see ls dream who's wild live and his uh his 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 closer was Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, but like a psychedelic bass, like a side bass yeah, that mix. Yeah, that Yeah, and, and the, la, 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 Lucy in the Sky with crazy visuals. <laughs> crazy. Lucy is melting. Alice in Wonderland is up there melting into her pupils are turning into diamonds and they're spit. Ridiculous. And right when that starts happening, our roller coaster goes from like a steady incline to a vertical shot. And we were just there, dude. And it ended and people dispersed and we walked out into the dust and the dust started hitting and we were seeing like animals in the storm and everything (laughs) and walking through and everybody and everybody's like got their, uh, uh, their bandanas and their tapestries and their scarves around their face. All you can see is eyes. And so you don't know who's smiling and who's not. And that's like, you know, 
the turning point for a lot of people that might have a bad trip is yeah. when they take that if that visual information badly. I have been in, in a deep trip uh, situation like that before. So when she started pointing things out to me and started getting nervous, I was like, no, just, it's okay. Like they're, nobody's casting a spell on us. You know, they might, but we don't know. Like their eyes are open. That's good. Everybody's happy and having fun. And she started getting hit really, really hard to the point where she started tearing up and she, she needed like to get away from everything, which makes total sense. So we went to this little art enclave. It was like one of those canopy tents and uh, we're lying down on a pad and there's paintings on all sides of the room all sides have different paintings and they're all like crazy trippy desert hippie paintings right and she's crying and and i'm like trying to hold her i'm trying to comfort her and she's like asking if this is just ever gonna go away like when is this gonna end and i'm comforting her i'm like yeah just it might be a couple hours it might be next morning i don't know but just know that like this is part of the medicine working its way through our body and maybe the purpose of this particular experience is that we need to let it work and just allow and practice that word allow, right? Meanwhile, in my head, I'm like, fucking, this might be it, dude, because this is deep. Like, we're <laughs> deep in a trip right now. And and she's, like, still kind of crying, and I'm right here, and there's a guy, like, 10 feet away just smiling and looking at us, and I don't, want, I don't really want to look at him. And I look up at the wall, and I see this Mr. Rogers painting, which is this painting right here over my shoulder. And I see this Mr. Rogers painting. And it's like, it's so trippy, dude. And it's moving. You know how your eyes are when you're that oh, far of course, yeah. in the universe. And it's just moving and it's coming out at me. But it's this sense of like, this like nurturing warmth was coming from this painting. It was this very odd feeling. It was like a warm weighted blanket. And it just kind of like grounded me. And we both looked at it for a while and after about an hour, we walked around a little bit. We got some water. We were starting to like just, we weren't coming down at all, but we were starting to live in that state. You know what I mean? You get to that point that you don't expect to get to. You have no choice but to live in it. You either live in it or you fight against it. Right. The discomfort is always going to come. It's if, always going to come. On a good come. psychedelic trip, there yeah, has you're right. to be at least right. a few minutes where you're going, I don't know if I should have done this or not. I feel weird and right. bizarre. I can't communicate. Right. And then there's, it's like a, it's a little hump. Yeah. And once you get over it, then the glow sets in and you're like, oh. Right. The weirdness in my body is I've, the swirling has stopped. Now I'm one. Now you're one exactly. And so we started flowing. We dipped back into the flow. You know, I was practicing that word allow, which I've been practicing a lot of lately. And we really wanted to get food. We hadn't eaten in hours, and we wanted something heavy. Acid is weird with food, dude. I thought it was gonna be like, you know, when I take mushrooms, I am the cleanest eater. I only want what grows out of the grounds or like organic grass fed meat that I know exactly where it came from and who gave it to me. And it doesn't have steps in between getting to me. I'm so clean. When I, when we were on acid that night, we wanted fries covered in butter (laughs) with salt and fat and give me any type of shit you could put on it. And we were searching and every food vendor was closed or sold out or whatever. We saw the spiral fries guy down at the corner uh, and, and it, which was also trippy because they, they cut the potato like a spiral. So it looks like an accordion. And we walked up and at the food tent, um, the woman, she turns around and she says, Hey neighbor, how you doing? She said, Hey neighbor. She said the word neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? After staring at yeah. the paint and she had the fuck, she had a print in, in the corner of her booth, dude. And we looked at it for a second and we just, we, it was one of those like moments that you have. Where everything like makes sense, but it was yeah. like right there. It was like holy shit, it's right there, dude. 
And so we got the spiral fries and we felt great. And uh, shout, I want to shout out um, Danny Stevens for the painting. I think he's up in Portland, uh, I believe, up somewhere up there. He sent me a print and um, he's an incredible artist and it's it's an incredible piece. But it just goes to show, I mean, the, the power of uh, what, what he called the power of art to act as a medicine yeah. is huge. You know, whether it's painting or for you, I mean, comedy is your art and that is your medicine too. Um, so yeah, that was the story. And now I, I you know, I love the, like the most important thing there is it's the, this will pass, right? Yeah. It is the, it is the acceptance, the allowance, because you're going to have those out of body space moments where you're going like, I don't really feel like myself. I'm not sure yeah. if I can communicate with people. Like everything sounds weird and my stomach kind of hurts or whatever it may be, but you can't, Fighting, you can't, there is no fighting it. Once you, you have to accept, as soon as that th drug goes in your body, there is no getting it out. Right. It's just going to pass through you as naturally as it can. And the more you can just kind of let it go, all right, just keep, all right, yeah, okay, if this, if, if, if I have to be in pain for a few minutes or I have to be scared for a few minutes, just do your thing and work through that. And luckily you guys had each other because the scariest thing, and that's why I say I can do psychedelics by myself because if I get into that place where I'm terrified, I know I'm not going to hurt myself. I know that right. I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. For people that are not as experienced, you need that other person with you to remind you that, oh, wait, but Brent's right here. This is a person I love. Dude, this is totally, a person who takes care of totally. me. This is a person I relate to. That right. I, you know, we, we obviously he's not going to let anything happen to me. He's not going to leave me right now. And it's great that you guys were there together, experiencing that, and that you were a, both able to kind of come out the other side. Yeah, and that too uh, speaks to like the meaning of like, yeah, we might have taken too much, but also maybe we were meant to take that much to have that whole experience, to have that journey, so that I could then lead and she could learn in that moment of being that on that much of a medicine because I had had that same experience. I was in her position with my buddy Nate when I first did acid, which was also at LIB when I was, what was this, like seven years ago. So it was like 2015, 2015, 2016. I was her. I was freaking out because we had split something. It was like a red, uh, it wasn't a pill, but it was like a tablet type of thing. And we split it, and it must have been like three tabs worth. It was wild. I yeah. was gone, dude. And I was like really kind of freaking out for a minute. And Nate was right there. Of course, Nate is my best friend, and he lives in this world too. And, and he was that kind of like guiding energy for me. And so I learned in that moment that, yeah, you really do need somebody if, if you're, because I can't imagine if she and I were in the same position during that time, one of us probably would have tried to drive out of the festival to go to a hospital, <laughs> freaking out, like, oh my God, they need to replace our blood. That's the only way to get this out of my body is re just replace my blood. Just give me more blood. And uh, so, yeah, man, it's it's to, to kind of um, have a, a, a mature guidance with you during that. And now she can experience. be that person for someone else. Than, yeah. When, if it happens to a friend of hers or something like that, the thing about psychedelics is you do, you, you do have an idea of the amount that you are taking. This is one tab of acid. This is an eighth of shrooms, but 
the power that is invested within that little thing can yeah. vary so much yeah. where I have had a tab of acid do nothing or I've had to like, like, and then I've had it take me absolutely to fucking Jupiter. And I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to come home because mm -hmm. the, yeah. rocket, the, rocket, <laughs> the rocket ship left without me and leave me here, everybody. Totally. Like I've had that before. And so it's just kind of a, like, even if you kind of know the drugs, it's almost a crapshoot every time that you do them and you kind of have to allow and i'm always i'm always hoping it's more i'm always hoping it's more rather than less I'm but i'd say this when you say crapshoot um i would just add to that that yes it's a crapshoot but also i i'm such a strong believer in whatever specifically with psychedelic experiences whatever happens within that experience is supposed to happen agreed you don't know what's going to happen and that's the crapshoot the crapshoot is not like, and I'm not saying you said this, but like for for anybody that's maybe new or inexperienced, I don't think the crapshoot is whether or not it's good or bad. Right. The experience. The crapshoot is the intensity. But yes. whether it's intense or not, it's meant to be that for this specific experience. Yeah, right? very much so. Because I I've never liked like I've I've never liked being underwhelmed by a drug, but I've also never liked being completely overwhelmed by a drug either. Sure. So like sure. there is this weird middle ground that like you kind of can hopefully you land in if everything's going right and you're in a good environment and everything. And that's why that is why set and setting are so fucking important. So that like when I hear people go, man, I hated mushrooms. I'm like, what'd you do? They're like, I went to a bar with my friends. I'm like, of course you fucking did. <laughs> Of course you did. You can't be fucking yeah. taking Jaeger shots next to a bunch of bros right, and you were right. while you're trying right. to talk to a fucking universe. Like <laughs> idiot. Like <laughs> just like, yeah, that's why you had a shitty time. Yeah. But if you're in a good environment with people, like even if it does get overwhelming or underwhelming, you're right. It's it's giving you the experience of that you need at that moment. And I right. think that's why this is this is a question I go back and forth with a lot, but how do you feel about intention before you trip? Like, do you setting an intention? I, I, I always, so I, I'm on a microdose protocol right, right now. Um, so I don't always have like a moment before I take the capsule. I try to, and just like, it, just acknowledge that I'm about to put this in my body and then I move on. But I do think I've always put intention into a proper psychedelic trip, like those tabs of acid, or if I'm going to do, um, an amount of mushrooms that's more than just a microdose. I do always put intention into it um, because that's how I was first introduced to psychedelics was in with my buddy Nate and we held it in our hand and we said like, you know, he said a couple things about what he wanted to gain. I said a couple things about what I wanted to gain. We said, aho, because we're hippies and then we downed it and then we went out and had a wonderful time. Um, so I do feel like putting intention into the experience absolutely helps and significantly will alter the experience. However, I'm curious what you think now of that same thing. Cause I wonder if you go in blindly or you just, maybe not blindly is maybe blindly isn't the right word, but like without intention, and just openness to anything. So I, when I first time I did it at 16 years old, this is just a, I don't know what this does. Fuck it. Yeah. Right? yeah you yeah. know, of course. Yeah. And then over the years, every once in a while, I'd be like, okay, let me think about what I want going forward in my career or my life, or what do I want out of a friend or something like, like out of a friendship, something like that. Mm -hmm. When I did, uh, but I, I wasn't always good about setting it. I was usually just like, man, whatever happens. When I did the ayahuasca ceremony, somebody asked this specific question to the shaman that was leading it all. And he said, if you want to set an intention, 
That's great, and I support that if you have something specific. But if you don't, do not try to force an intention that you, because you think you need one because there is power in let the medicine work through you and mm. figure it out. It's almost like you're getting into a canoe without a paddle and the river's going to take you where it's going to take you. Totally. And yeah. maybe yeah. there's calm waters out to the right. Maybe there's a waterfall to the left. You don't really have the uh the you don't have the rudder to steer yourself in one direction or the other so you do let it go through you and i think there's not so there's not a right or a wrong way but ever since i heard him say that i thought i thought about this like because there are times when i'm like think about that you don't want to you don't want to scratch unintentionally anymore you don't want to just like because i do that all the mm -hmm. time like i just find myself da -da 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 -da, just annoying it's just a habit yeah. built into me and i do i've had times where it's like do not do that. Like my, I will not touch my beautiful skin. I like repeating it to myself. I'm repeating it. And the other times I've been like, no, what do you want to show me? Take, sure. Take sure. Me, take me there. Yeah. You know, spirit world. Yeah. I think even putting intention, I, th I do think the only potential wrong way of entering a space like that is to fight against whatever comes to you, yeah. whether or not it's in alignment with what your intention is. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. like we'll put intention, like I want to have a wonderful time tonight. I want to attract yeah. friendship and love. I want to, uh, let loose finally. I want to be more right brain for once than I am left brain. I want to whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden the medicine kicks in and it's bringing up thoughts of childhood or like you see something that reminds you of your family member or, or your career or whatever it is. You Fighting that is probably not the best move. Right. And yeah. that's, and that's, that's, I mean, that's part of the unpredictability of doing psychedelics in an environment where you're surrounded by people. Like yeah. when you're at a concert is because suddenly you can be going with, did my dad touch me when I was seven? <laughs> oh, fuck me, dude. And then you're just going, wait, the who's up there? Lucy in the Sky with Diamond bass remix? Crazy. You're like, but wait a minute, what happened in that closet? Why was I allowed in there? Like, and by the way, that's like, uh, that did not happen. My dad never touched me. But like, I'm just saying, like, it's one of those things where you, you know, you just have to be prepared yeah. for whatever might come up. And so I think I, that's why I, I'm glad that you respond, that we each have that thought on it because yeah, never try to force an intention. But if you do have something that you've been thinking about that you want to at least play a part mm. in what your experience will be so that at least you have a little bit of guiding presence there of like, oh yeah, let me think about how I would love my skin to be perfectly clear and that I wouldn't think about it as I walk down the street because I'm slightly uncomfortable in my own body, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Sure. Those are, those are great. And I do that when I, I meditate, I get my meditation practice. Typically I do it sometimes during the day, usually, usually during the day, but I also do a nighttime one. I get real stoned and then I just go sit in a dark room, eyes closed and just breathe like you know do different breath patterns and stuff and I usually then is when I'm telling myself those things it's like when I'm just very stoned but very present as opposed to being overpowered by a psychedelic where I'm like right well it's kind of hard to stay on this right now because I'm looking at this wall and it's yeah, crazy yeah yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah yeah totally what um what about this I'm curious what your thought is on on uh you know you you dip into a psychedelic experience you have the experience, you're taught a lesson, or you, you at least latch on to some type of lesson. How do you take that lesson then back into your sober everyday life? And do you ever find that, that whatever you learn starts to dip? Or do you actively continue to work through your everyday experiences with that lesson that you learned from that psychedelic experience? 
Implementation is always difficult because what you are told in a moment when you are, you know, even though you're present, you're very still loopy and you're mm -hmm. still in another state of mind. So to bring it back when you are, when you wake up the next morning, um, it definitely, you have to think about it. You have to actively say like, yes, I know I told myself that in the time, at that moment, like I told myself, I am never gonna smoke a cigarette again. This is gross. I don't wanna do this anymore, right? But then when the next day, when you wake up and that craving hits, you might go like, didn't I say I wouldn't do that anymore? How right. do, but fuck, now now I really want it. Right. And I'm not tripping anymore. And it would feel really good if I just stepped out on my porch and smoked the cigarette. <laughs> so it's 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 honestly, it is it's it's a, it's accountability, right? Yeah. Is you have if they really have a lesson that you learned, first of all, write it down or in some way journal about it, keep a note of some kind. Think about how you felt in that moment and why it felt personal and why it felt so visceral to you to have that thought while you were under the influence of psychedelics and now know that you don't need the psychedelics to have that same exact feeling inside mm -hmm. of you. Mm -hmm. I'm very much a believer in once you have a feeling once, you can tap back into it even without the substances that you were on. Like you can find a way to get there. And I do, I think a lot of that is just through personal practice and just, but honestly, it's it's consciousness. It's you thinking about that thing because it's not going to magic. You're not going to magically just quit smoking because you told yourself you would when you were, you know, In on Peru, acid. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's not, not going to happen. But if you say... Why did I tell myself that at the time? What was going through my mind? Did I really feel like, I really did feel like they, they were fucking up my body and turning my lungs black. And this is coming, like, I did, I smoked until 2015. And You did? Oh, yeah, I was a big smoker. Like, I didn't know that. big. I mean, okay. like, half a pack to, half a pack a day or so. Like, I mean, like, oh, that's enough. That's a lot of that's, cigarettes. It's enough. Yeah. And the way I quit was I was I was in an all-night party. Uh, I think one I was actually throwing um, when I used to throw those crazy events. And uh, I got home at 7 a.m. and I crawled into bed and my wife goes, girlfriend, like at the time, because get in the shower, you fucking stink. And I was like, okay, sorry, sorry. And she goes, how many cigarettes did you smoke? And I was like, I think like two packs. She oh. goes, and she went, what did, what else did you do? And I was like, Molly, a little K, a little Coke. Uh, yeah, and she was like, what did the, I know all, what all that did to you. What did the cigarettes add to that experience? And I ah. went, nothing. And she goes, Alex, I don't care that you want to do all those drugs. Just stop smoking. It's not doing anything for you. And in that moment, hearing someone that I love more than anybody say, I don't care that you do all of these things. <laughs> It's just the one that's not adding anything to the experience. Yeah. And so I cold turkey from that point on. Wow. Straight up. I was like, done. I'll get in the shower. I'm done smoking for Amazing. Yeah. Done. That's so cool. And that was the last cigarette I ever had. And it was just that easy. It was, it was, for me, it wasn't easy, but it was that I needed that person to step in and say like, Dude, go fucking blow lines yeah, and yeah, yeah. take pills and stuff mushrooms in your face. Don't fucking put a cigarette in your mouth. But so that's why I think whatever your lesson is, maybe you need to be a better friend to somebody. Maybe you need to call your parents more. Whatever it is, think about the state of that you were in and why it spoke to you so clearly and so confidently then mm -hmm. and keep think actively thinking about 
why it's important to move forward with those thoughts. Mm -hmm. So it's really a matter of just like, you know, the allowance, right? Yeah. Allow yourself to tap back in and go, well, it said it then. And I know I can't lie to myself when I'm on those drugs. It's kind of the beauty of them. You can't hide from yourself. You can't right. lie to yourself. Is that now when you when you do a um, a concoction like what you just said? You, yeah. You said, you said K, Coke, pills. Yeah, I think my record is like 10 different things in my body. That's wild. <laughs> now when you do that, and, and I'm purely curious here, is that, I hesitate to give you options. So tell me if it's something other than what I'm about to say. But is that because you straight up just want to have a good time and you know the the ratios and the alchemy of what's going to make you feel good? Or are you also like intentionally putting those drugs in your body because you know that each one does something different, like with an intention behind it? Like, okay, that is a bit of a, um, uh, you know, my, it makes my blood warm and it makes me a little more open. Oh, Molly, that's going to open my heart. That's going to allow me to converse with people more. Or is it just like, yeah, fucking, I'm down with that. That is good. That fate makes me feel good. Do you put intention behind it when you're in a party mode like that? I've had both ways, okay. but what I, what I what I've gotten myself, I call myself. I, I always say I'm very good at doing drugs. Yeah. Um, and like, and and the thing is because I. I am. I don't. I know what my limits are, and I know how to raise myself to a point where I am very. I'm, I'm climbing the mountain, climbing the mountain, and then I can plateau for a while, and I can stay on top of the mountain. And I'm here, 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 and then we don't want to crash. We need a smooth ride ah, back into the station. Sure. And so I've learned how to stack myself in different ways. Where when you see a person go, all right. First part of the night, hit of acid, two hit tamale, and some K, Coke, bang. Like, you're like, whoa, that's a lot of competing things going on. But if I take a Molly with mushrooms, then I know the weirdness of the mushrooms is kind of going to dissipate because the excitement and the, the pleasure of the Molly will take away the confusion from the mushrooms. So I get the weird trippy visuals and all that, but I'm happy and I want to dance. Mm-hmm. Now, if I add, when that starts wearing off a little bit, well, maybe I'm a little tired. Okay, a little bump of coke here will kind of lift me back up. Well, now I'm a little too up. Ooh, a little K will bring me right back down to, into this place because now I'm too up here. My heart's beating a little too fast uh-huh. and I feel it. So I'm very good at like listening to myself. And if somebody goes, hey, did you want to take this now? I know immediate. I think about it, I'm like, really, what's that going to do to me? Do I want to go there or do I not? Right. So I'm very intelligent about the way I put things in my body and the order in which I put them in to make sure that I'm not doing myself a disservice and going like, I don't want just a mess of drugs in me. I do want there to be certain feelings that go with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I experience, I love experiencing a drug pure, but I have realized that for me, ketamine on its own is not that exciting and it doesn't do that much for me. And I've done, I've never done it like in a clinical setting or anything like the injection That's or anything the o- like that. The only time I've done ketamine was a prescribed dosage, um, What's it called? Uh, was the, it the inhaler thing? Or it like was a, a nose, uh, nasal inhaler. Yeah. What do, you, what do you call those? Does that have a specific name? I can't think of it. Anyways, it was me and, and a couple by, uh, a couple friends, and we we're sitting down to do a, a creative writing session, actually. It was like a men's creative, just a f- group of bros that wanted to get together and be creative. So we kicked all the women out, and um, we did it, and we put intention into it, and we passed it around, and we all did it, and it was great. It was so fun. Yeah. I didn't go. It wasn't like a K-hole thing. It wasn't even close. I don't even know what a K-hole is like. I've never been that deep in it. 
and it was my first introduction to it. So now I'm curious about it's, trying yeah, it a little more. Yeah, but and for some people, like I have a like I have a friend who he's like I'm okay all the time. Like that's the drug that that's my drug. I don't even really fuck with other drugs. That's mm. just the one I like, right? And once you find something, if it works for you, that's great. What I've learned is some is I love ketamine, but on top of as an added uh, dose to something else mm. because ketamine. The beauty of it, in my opinion, is it's a choose your own adventure drug. Is there are nights with three in the morning I. Know no, I don't want to take more Molly because I do want to sleep eventually, but I still want to dance a little bit, but I'm kind of losing my edge so I can bump myself up with a bump of K and have another 20 minutes of like, but at the same moment, I could say, wow, I'm kind of losing my Molly and my energy. I want my ketamine to sink me into the floor and I just want to lay down in some blankets and I want it to just relax me into a state of pure, just delicious ecstasy. That just going to sleep cannot give you. Yes. And <laughs> I literally think that is it, the every time, I, and I've talked to a lot of people about this because I'm like, do you think the same way about ketamine? And I always say like, ketamine, why walk when you can float? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, like, it's one of those things where if I want to be in a cuddle puddle with like six other people and we're just melting into each other's bodies and melding to form one unit, great. Or if now I want to get up and pop and dance for a little bit, I can choose that. But it's a matter of I need to make the decision when I'm doing the bump. Mm. Which way am I going? Mm. And a lot of times it's just like, well, clearly we're all sitting in beanbag chairs under this tent. There's not a lot of people around. We're in relaxation mode. Yeah, this is a cuddle puddle K moment. And if in the middle of a dance floor, I'm like, nah, there's a fucking rage and figure, forget that I'm in the middle of all these people, stare at these visuals, look at the sky, kind of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's such a beautiful thing to be able to understand a drug enough to know what it's going to do to you and which direction you would like to do. Um, especially, especially in a social situation. Yeah. That is, I mean, you know, drugs independently of like when you're by yourself, it's a completely different thing than when you're like, that is, I am healing when I take drugs by myself. That is pure medicine. When I do shrooms at a festival, I'm not like, guess who's getting healthy? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm medicinal tonight. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) But so, yeah, I believe in using them as as medicine as you. But, you know, when you're going to start when you're going to start stacking things on top of each other, you got to know what you're doing and you have to know what they do individually before you can start combining them with other things. I would never give somebody a drug that they hadn't done ever with it. Like if like without knowing what kind of state they were already in. Yeah. Because like, you know, I've given a lot of people Molly for the first time, Kay for the first time, but it's in a situation where I'm like, I know exactly where you are. I know who you are. That's huge. Oh my God. I was so Saturday night. Saturday night, I was at uh, Lane 8 and Closey. They played oh, a, incredible. Like, a beautiful combo. Where did they play? I know they LA were... Historic State Park, oh, God. Uh, which I've, a park I've raged in so many times over the years. FYF, Hards used to be there and stuff like that. But like, I was like, when I saw Lane 8 and Closey together, I was like, that's a, I love both of them individually. What a combo to go back to back because yeah. they're so different, but they do both have their own styles and I love both of them. There was a girl there that was playing with flow toys and she, my friend started talking to her just 
to be like, wow, I've never seen somebody so good with those that specific toy. And she went up, she's like, oh, okay. And she, I heard her say, like, do you have any ketamine to this to my friend? And he goes, no, 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 I don't have, I don't have any. And then she literally didn't realize I was with him, walked up to me because it was, excuse me, do you have any ketamine? And I went, no. And then I watched her go up to another person and she didn't know that I knew this other person too. Oh, wow. And ask him. And I was like, okay. Oh, man. This is a, this is a girl in her 20s at a festival walking up to random guys and asking, asking for, for a drug. That's not good. No, that's bad. That you can't. Bad. You gotta know where your shit is coming from. And look, I am a person, I have taken random bags of powder from a person who said a festival, like, did you want? And I'm like, that's well, happened to me. Sure, of yeah, course. Yeah. I have to say, no one is going to, yeah. Somebody could have, obviously could have given me something bad. They could have robbed me. They could have whatever. I'm not a girl in my 20s. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was a moment. I was like, dude, I, she ran away before I could say, like, I could, be, I just want, cause I wanted, after I realized she did it again, I was, I wanted to go, back. you don't, do, don't that. do this. Don't fucking do no, that. No. Like, the wrong person is going, you're going to ask the wrong person. Yeah, or the wrong like, person is going to overhear you and, and be like, oh, I got something. Shit. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. that's like, you know, you have to, drugs are psychedelic specifically. You gotta guide people into their experience, or they have to guide themselves. And so, so much of it is knowing what you're taking, even if you don't know what that specific bag is or that specific batch is. You at least know the drug, or you know the person that's giving yeah, it to you. Yeah, I would. You know, it's that's just that shit scared me. I see a lot of people and and new like businesses and companies popping up at festivals and and just in general that are putting out that exact message, like the um. What's the the business that test that'll test your Dance drugs? Dance Safe. Dance Safe. Yes, love them. Yes. Now they're at like almost every festival I've gone to. Yeah. They're By the everywhere. way, do you follow them on Twitter? No. Are they funny? Hilarious. Really? They, and they they're always like it, it, it's really funny because they, they half of it is like them making jokes and half of it is them very serious. Like, hey guys, just so you know, there is a red pill that's being called ecstasy going around northern parts of Ohio right now. Stay away. This is what it is. We found out. We tested it. Blah blah blah. Wow. So half of their feed is like that. And half of it is like, hey, don't fucking get on somebody for doing coke instead of mushrooms. <laughs> Maybe they just need to earn a coke mood that night, you fucking dick. Like, and I just, That's it's so funny. It's hilarious. That's but they, but that is an amazing organization because they are saying, yes, we know there are people here that are going to be doing drugs. Mm -hmm. And instead of incriminating them, instead of them making them hide in the darkness, we will test your shit right here with the tiniest little amount. And then we will give it right back Dude, to you and say, go nuts. Uh, yeah. Dance safe is doing more for kids, teenagers and young people in regards to drugs than dare. Did. For sure. 100% because they're not going to, they're going to give you the drugs back. They're going to test a tiny little bit. Yeah. Like you just said. And they're going to give them back to you. I remember when I... They don't I, condemn nor condone. I did the D.A.R.E. program at least three or four times throughout the years. And I remember in sixth grade specifically, the cop came to our school and it's like nine in the morning. And he goes, don't, he's like, don't you question this. Your neighbors, people in your neighborhood will try to give you drugs, heroin, crack. And I was like, they will? <laughs> Crack? Do I just ask? He said like crack? no, but to me, because I like what I explained when I was that age, I was already seeking. And all that told me is there's people in my neighborhood that have this shit. Right. Like, yeah, right, I, mean, right, I gotta yeah, go yeah. find them, dude. <laughs> like, and so I love people uh, like Dan Save, especially with the fucking dude. I mean, you and I have lost 
people to fentanyl that we know. Yeah. We've seen yeah. it happen. With yeah. that fucking raging through the through the streets right now, by all means, people are afraid to do it too. They're at a festival. They're like, I don't want to go up to them because, like, what if it's not? What if it's like secret and undercover cops and I'm right, like giving right. them my drugs? And they're not. They're not. They're not. They are safely testing what you have. I mean, I know I know people who have gotten shit, had it tested, and go, holy fuck, there was fentanyl in there. Crazy. Holy fuck. They're shit. saving lives. Yeah. They're legitimately saving lives. Yeah. And we need people like that. We need people like like that's the thing is. Drugs, obviously, I mean, we can't even, we don't have the, the days and weeks to go into the criminality of, that, of criminalizing drug users and stuff like that and everything. People are always going to do drugs since the beginning of time. You cannot stop people from doing it. We want to feel good and we want to explore altered states of consciousness, but we need to figure out a way to do it as safely as possible and figure out what the healing powers of these things are and study them and that's why people that's why maps and all those organizations like that are so wonderful is because they're not saying you're a piece of shit if you do these drugs we are seeing we are seeing the power we're seeing it and we all know that it's because of fucking you know fucking Nixon and Reagan and all yeah, the reasons yeah, why yeah. they're they seen the way they are yeah meanwhile the same person is fucking sucking down a bottle of vodka a going, bottle of Jack don't dude. do that man and it's dude. like you fucking crazy uh, it's wild but yeah. it's turning it i is. do see it turning it is for I sure i really really do and i'm very happy about it it needs it needs to yeah. because obviously like the fact is no one has ever od'd off weed off mushrooms no nope. off uh, no one not not to the point where of ego death yes yeah. but no actual death right. from this stuff like they haven't found an amount of acid that would kill you unless you're the vat of acid in Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment that will that's a different kind yeah. of acid don't do that um, but you know that's it's yes will it fuck you up permanently if you take too much probably but... have you ever had an experience where you thought oh my god this is it I'm done no I mean in the moment there have definitely been like I'm not coming back from this one. So I remember sure. specifically um, 2CB and ketamine. That combo. What is 2CB? 2CB is a, it's a pharmaceutically engineered drug that is a synthetic that is essentially, the ba the way most people say it is, it's kind of like acid and molly at the same time. Oh my God. But it comes in, it usually comes, like the way I did it was in a liquid form, like, and you take a, like a little uh, syringe and you take a certain amount out and you squirt it in your mouth. And um, the way, and it wasn't really, it's, it's really a club drug because it's very much for like dancing and strobes and things like that. So we did it and we were just in a house in Sedona, actually. That's where oh, I did it. We were in Airbnb and we had eaten a big meal before and then we all took this 2CB and we were kind of laying there not really, wasn't really working and I think it's because our stomachs were full and we weren't in the club environment. There was just four of us in this house and then I started bumping a lot of this K on top of it and I got to this place where I was like in a Rick and Morty style outer space world and I kept thinking like, wow, just keep going deeper, deeper, deeper Like, and then I was like, okay, hang on. We're really deep right now. Let's go back to reality. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find it. And every time I went through another door, I was just in another place. And I'd say it lasted in reality, in probably it wasn't more than eight to 10 minutes in yeah. total. In my mind, it's hours of yeah. just like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. And yeah. diving through another wormhole. Well, surely this will get me back to the living room, <laughs> to the living room in Sedona, correct? Nope. Like, and so that was one of those moments where I was like, 
okay, I gotta find a way out of here. Like, I know that eventually I'll find it, but that's what it is. It's just the knowing, even in that state, I know this will wear off. I know, I, I didn't remember that I'm in a house in Sedona, but I knew I wasn't in whatever this place was. So eventually my mind will return to me and piece itself back together. That's how I... um. I, I describe whippets like I actually has this joke on my last album where I say like if you don't know what a whippet is imagine your brain exploding into a million pieces and over the course of 30 seconds it attempts to put itself back together <laughs> piece by piece but some of the pieces might not go where they were before so like out of a million pieces you got back five of those pieces have shifted somewhere in there but like it had to slowly go and then you see the whole picture again and you're like oh yeah, yeah that's right I'm back yeah. <laughs> but that was the first time I really was like that 2CB ketamine where I was just like whoa like I can't find whatever reality is right now and honestly I fucking loved it yeah, yeah, <laughs> for yeah. those just when I came back because mm -hmm. it was just so like man like I was fucking in another world like that's pure like I was tripping to the point where I had no concept of what myself was or what reality was mm -hmm. and it, every once in a while it's fun to get again I'm in a safer setting I yeah. got three people around yeah. me mm -hmm. I'm in a house you know, I'm not overdoing anything. Right. Go touch the galaxy. Yeah. And go, say, go go to a different nebula. I'm in a vortex right now. Yeah. I'm in a vortex in a city that is a vortex. Yeah. Everything is a vortex. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, ah. Uh, so, Wild. Yeah. I mean, that was one of those things where it's like, I, I mean, I strive for that. Like, I want, like, there's a thing. Have you ever heard that they're, they're experimenting with DMT where they're injecting a steady, like dose of it into you to see how long they can keep you in no. this setting. Really? Yeah. And wow. so I heard it. I heard um, Dennis McKenna talking about it, mm -hmm. like where they have done experiments where they tried to keep in, keep people in there for like an hour or something oh like that. Oh my god! And I'm like, I can't imagine like being in that world for that long, but also in a safe situation. Like, fuck, that sounds so cool. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, an hour? I can't imagine. That. I don't. Yeah, that's I mean, nuts. It's dude. it is like because that is like you know that if you get if you can if you can safely take yourself there, it is a very beautiful thing because what D what DMT did for me, I will say this very earnestly, I was like. I went in there going, I think I'm about to figure out the universe, and then I did it for the first time, and I went. I have a billion more questions yeah, than I did yeah. now. What I don't even think I'm in the right reality. Right. I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think this dimension is for us, actually. Um, what did I just see? What was all that? And I've done it probably 15, 15 times or so. Mm -hmm. And every time it's that feeling of like, what is that place? Yeah. Like, why, why, why can I only be there for such a short amount of time? But that's why? also part of the excitement. You don't want to figure that out. Maybe. No. And that's... I don't think we should. I don't think we're built to, I don't think we should, but the, the continued questioning of it. Yeah. Is uh, the fun part to me. For sure. And it lets you know that we don't, 
there's such a comfort in not knowing. Yeah. There's like all these people that want to know like the answers to the universe that they want to, they need to know that someone's out there watching me or there's a plan that I'm here for a reason. Like all that. I don't want to know. Yeah. I just, I life is not meant to be understood. It is meant to be enjoyed. And however you can get yourself there to enjoy it. And if you have a million questions, great. But if you really, if somebody told me, Oh, do you want to know what that dimension is? I'll tell you exactly what it is. Cause I, I, I'd be like, Ooh, I don't know if I do. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. You might just break me into, break me open. And then it's not going to be fun to go there anymore. Right. Whereas it's not fun to wonder. Yeah. Like wondering and not knowing and having curiosity to feed your curiosity. Isn't always good. I think we thrive on curiosity. Yeah. That's how we keep evolving. Exactly. I mean, that's a beautiful, it's beautifully put. You have to ask questions. You have to wonder and you have to do experiments to figure out how we advance, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, what a beautiful thing to be able to, to be able to question and wonder is what separates us from the animals. That really is the ability to look at the moon and go, why is that? always there yeah yeah. like i don't think there's a fucking you you know field mouse that's like looking at the moon going like you know it's probably (laughs) circling around this gravitational pull like no that's the reason why we've evolved to the point where we have is because we question and we have to question i think psychedelics are a perfect way to go i don't know anything I don't fucking know. like anyone that ever says I like I the, it's the people that think they know that claim like that's why that's why religion bothers me is because we go I know what happens when you die right. I go to heaven I'm like how do you know well because I believe it, it okay? right, 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 right. well I believe this yeah so am I wrong now and, and anyone that's why I'm like I like whatever you want to believe I am all for it as long as you do not try to push it on anyone else mm-hmm. because it is my right to question every single thing that I want to even if you think you have all the answers mm-hmm. it's more fun that way it is let me ask you this dude as we as we bring this to a close yeah you have gone through some of the most you know intense personal battles of anyone alive, pretty much. I mean, I mean, like you're health there, health, health like, life. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, sure. I don't want to, I don't want to make it dramatic, but right, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. It's okay. more than anyone I know, at least. Yeah. Um, how do you, how have psychedelics impacted your mental and emotional health to allow you to move through this? I mean, you're already such a positive person, but like, what are some specific pieces of gratitude that you have from your psychedelic experiences that have allowed you to move through this dance with like grace and humility and laughter as opposed to struggle and war and combat. I really did grow up thinking that the universe was designed to destroy me, that I wasn't meant to be here and that I don't under, like clearly I have been afflicted with these things because there's something wrong with me personally. And that I'm, if I clearly, if I'm not exposed, if I'm not supposed to feel good within my own body, then what am I doing here? And when I started doing psychedelics, There have been moments when I was at my worst with my eczema, when I was in and out of the hospital, when I was just like, I couldn't figure out how to calm myself down, where I just thought like, could I just eat mushrooms like every day? Like I just like, like just dose myself like nonstop and like, and just keep taking higher doses. So I always feel good. And I'm not in this weird subsection of pain and discomfort. And I've learned how to accept that this is my thing. 
my Achilles heel as I did my podcast for so long. That's where that podcast came from is going like, this is what, this is my struggle, but everyone has to have something that they deal with. And maybe theirs isn't physical. Maybe it is, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's mental, whatever it may be. But everyone has things that they are scared of, that they're struggling with, that they, uh, that upset them and that they feel, makes them feel out of place within, not in sync with everything else that's going on. When I do psychedelics, I suddenly feel that connectivity. I can touch this desk and know that it was once a beautiful tree and now it is serving us in a different way. And I know that I am part of absolutely everything and that if I can allow myself to, there's that word again, allow, mm-hmm. flow, get into a flow state and really just take myself where I feel guided, then a lot of the pain goes away because I'm not fighting against myself anymore. And my whole life I was going, fuck, I fucking hate myself. I hate my skin. I hate everything about me. Why do I have to fucking feel like this when my brother is fucking perfect and doesn't have a fucking health problem in the world, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's how you look at other people and you go, God, I want that. I wish I had that. I wish I was a little person instead of having this. I wish I had their struggle. And then you go, everyone has a struggle. Mine is personal to me because it's mine. And it doesn't matter if other people can, can't see it, feel it, experience it, because they have their own thing that they're going through. But that person is very much a part of me as I am a part of them. And I need to give kindness not only to them outwardly, because I was always kind to others. Even when I was being a fucking dick face, I was still kind. And... How do I turn that same grace toward myself? Because I'm not kind to myself. I'm, I call myself a fucking loser. I, I say, I wish I was better. I wish I was more this, more this. And doing all these psychedelics, and I mean, every single one of them has taught me some sort of lesson on each trip of just a, being able to love myself for who I am. And on that 2CB ketamine trip, I had a very intense moment when I got back to reality. And I think this is a perfect way to wrap up this this thing is I went to the bathroom and you know, when you're on psychedelics and you look in a mirror, there are, it can go a multitude of ways. It can take you into a spiral where you go, what am I looking at? Oh my God, that's not me. Or you can finally see yourself. And because I had been drinking, drinking really uh, uh, the day before drinking really flares me up. And I was, I looked in the mirror and I got completely naked and I was looking at myself and I was so inflamed and so red. And I was like, God, fuck, fuck, I hate this, I hate this. And I went, no, no, no. No one can make me feel any way about my body that I don't want to feel. And the reason I hate this so much is because I have this view of how other people see me as this disgusting, scabbed up monster and that they'll never listen to me or like take me or put me on TV or have me on their shows or whatever because I am this. But that's my own projection that's going out into the world. I don't need to let anyone ever, I don't care if I get side or go, what the fuck's wrong with that guy? He can't, that's my decision whether I let that impact me or not. No one can take, allow me to judge myself that can put judgment on me other than me. And I looked at myself fully inflamed, fully naked, my dick looking as small as it had ever looked in the in my entire life. But it's inflamed, so it's big. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm just, it's just poof, fucking red, like a little fucking dog's penis <laughs> sitting. And I'm just like, God. And I went, this is my skin. And this is me. 
and this is what I look like, and this is who I am, and no one can take away the love that I have for myself. And dude, this was such a moment, and it was just one of those just like my brain exploded, and I was like, I was in the bathroom for so long that somebody knocked on the door, and I was like, oh, I'm naked. I got to fucking put my clothes on, and... And when I got back out there, I told my friends and my my wife like what I had just experienced, and all of them were like, "That's so beautiful." And that was when I was like, "I got to keep this one with me." Yeah, you know, I got to keep it with me. And that actually, that actually became a, a, a. It's one of the activities you have to do in my book, in my self help book. Yeah, you, ha- you have to look at yourself in the mirror, and you gotta hate yourself, and you have to point out all the things that you hate about yourself, and then you have to flip them and say why why do you hate it. And understand that it's a part of you, so you need to learn to love it. And you got to flip the script on yourself. Oh, that's amazing. So that's it was amazing. one of those moments where I know that was long-winded, but No, fuck. it wasn't. It was perfect. What, what, and the book, where can people get the book? Uh, it's uh, Amazon or uh-huh. our leader. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's called Roast Yourself to Happiness. Uh, it's on yeah. my, it's, yeah, hoopercomedy.com. You can find a link for it and all that. But it's like, dude, it's a really fun self-help book. Honestly, yeah. it's just one of those ones. It where, has to be. You wrote it. Yeah. The, it's the, it's the, gotta the, be. The first line is hello, underachieving shitbag. <laughs> so if you don't know, you got to know what you're getting yourself into here. Um, it's a self-help book written for people that would never, ever want to read a self-help <laughs> book. So hopefully I wrote it in a way that keeps you entertained enough that you do the activities and one of those activities is you got to look yourself naked in a mirror and point out all the things. Hello, so underachieving shit bag. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's line number one. Oh my God. Roast, <laughs> roast yourself to happiness. And yeah. what, where can people find tour dates and everything else? So hoopercomedy.com. I'm in LA right now for a while. I go through treatment, but I will be back out there in 2023 and at Hooper Hairpuff on all social media. And yeah, I try to be super positive all the time and I am giving you a very real view of what cancer is. Yeah. So yeah. Talk, talk to me about the surgery to put this little port in there, dude. And they oh, what do you have in there? That's my port. So when I get my chemo, they just stick a needle right into this port and then all of it goes directly in there so they don't have to stick me every single time with a different... And it just goes all through your body from there? Yeah. There's this little tiny thing in there, this little like shape, this little like vial thing basically. They stick it in there and then I barely can feel it and then yeah, it's two hours of them just shooting shit in me. Dude, that in itself is psychedelic. You have a hole into your body. It's like a whole like... Oh yeah, that surgery was crazy. But yeah, we'll talk about that another time. Well, I love you, dude. I love you too. so much. Fun. Thanks for hanging. Always a blast. My pleasure. We'll do it again. Allow, everybody. Allow. Peace and love. And that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Man, if you needed a reason to smile through whatever pain you're going through, I certainly hope that Alex has helped you bridge that gap because he helps me smile more every time I talk to the guy. Check him out on Instagram at Hooper Hair Puff, and you can see his tour dates at hoopercomedy.com. We love you, Alex. Alex, you're the man. Thank you for bringing your light into the world. Uh, you can check me out at Brent Pella and subscribe to this podcast on YouTube. Subscribe on Spotify and iTunes. Check out Good Trip Podcast on Instagram uh, for clips and more. And until next week, peace and love, everybody. See ya. See ya.